presents. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and come on up. This is Shannon Payton, otherwise known as Shanny Pants, also known as my daughter, which, you know, you could probably see the resemblance a little bit. Um, so anyway, I'm going to let her, today she's going to share her nurture story of just kind of the story of her life, basically. So um, I'm going to turn it on over to her. Okay. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here today. I am very excited to share my story with you. Um, if you guys have any questions um, throughout this little talk, then you can um, ask me afterwards. I'm pretty open book. So, um, and I don't get offended easily. So if you ask me something that I don't want to answer, I'll just tell you, I don't want to answer it. Um, so basically, a little bit about my story. We, ha we have a system, see? Okay, I was born in 1981 to the wonderful Mark and Priscilla Bowen. So yeah, and I like to show that middle picture to prove what an adorable little child I was because um, we're not there yet, but in the next slide you'll see all my, not yet, you'll see all my awkward years. So this one, I just want you to soak this in because look how adorable I was. Um, so anyways, I was born to Mark and Priscilla, um, their very first child, which, you know, usually is the favorite. Um, and my sisters aren't here, so I get to claim that today. Um, and they, we, I was born into a high control religious cult, basically, um, that my parents were already a part of. And so I did not have a choice. I was born into this situation. Um, and so I didn't know any different. I grew up this way. It was how I was raised. I am very thankful every single day for the normalcy in my actual family life because I think that that um, helped a lot in recovery in my adult years um, looking back on life. So I'm very thankful for that because we did have a happy, good family life. Um, but our church life was very interesting. So um, I basically grew up, you can go to the next slide now. I basically, um, you're gonna see my awkward years here. And um, I mean, yeah, so I hope you remember that last picture of how cute I was. Um, but we grew up dressing um, long skirts, uh, sleeves on our shirts, no makeup, no piercings, no cutting hair. If you, you can see on the picture on the right there, that gorgeous mane of hair. Um, so we grew up pretty strict with pretty strict um, everything. Uh, so it was a very interesting way to grow up. Again, it was all I knew, but we did go to public school. Not everyone that we met with, um, and we did not call it a church because we weren't allowed to even call it that. But in our group, uh, most of the kids went to, did homeschool, but we were allowed to go to public school. So we went to public school. So obviously we did see kind of like what normal people did and that there are other people besides us out in this world. Um, so I was bullied in school pretty heavily, just mainly because of how we looked. We looked very different from all of the other students. Um, definitely the girls in the wintertime were trudging, you know, in the rain in our skirts, and I dreaded it every single day. I hated, hated, hated school. Um, it just was not a good experience, and I'm sure all of you, well, most of you might have kids. Kids are very mean, and they do not, um, you know, go very lightly on their 
classmates. So school, I hated it. I hated it. Once I got to high school, things did seem to get a little bit better because I think high school was a little bit more inclusive and everyone had kind of like gotten through adolescence and I felt more accepted people. There were a lot of other, we can't, we um, went to a pretty small grammar school, but in high school you had a lot bigger pool and you had people in different religions that looked maybe a little bit different and so it felt a little bit more um, normal to go to high school. So in my high school years, I felt like I kind of started maybe coming out of my shell a little bit. I was an extremely shy child, and I have a sister who's 18 months younger than me who couldn't be here today. Um, and she, we kind of flip-flop personalities. She was always the outgoing, fun, dancey one, and I'm like, okay, I'll do it with you. Um, and I just wasn't that person now. I am. Um, so we kind of flip-flopped, and I want to say that kind of started happening in our high school years. Not to say I was outgoing in high school at all, um, but it was more survivable. So we got through high school, um, and on a side note with that, I, two years ago, three years ago, I planned my high school reunion with a friend, which was hilarious because I was not that person in high school, and everyone's getting these emails and they're like, who's Shannon? You know, like, who is this planning our reunion? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Um, and then they show up and I'm in pants and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my hair is cut. I'm looking good today. Uh, so that was kind of a fun experience for like, oh, look at me. I turned out okay. Uh, but in high school, uh, we got married really young. And so kind of like what our group was like, we were pretty much... Um, spent a lot of time with our group. We did not have outside friends or family members, really, that we would, um, well, some family that we weren't allowed to see, but it was mostly you hung out with the people in your group, and those were the only people that we knew or did things with. We had little, we called them assemblies in different areas, so we were able to see some of the people that did not live in our assembly at different times in the year. So you would meet other people, but it was very much like you kind of know you're going to marry someone from your group. So you don't have like options of like, oh, when I go to college and I might meet my future husband. You pretty much know like, I better pick now because this is it. So, so from a pretty young age, everyone had kind of like connected. Like that's who I'll be marrying and you kind of know, stay away from that one. Um, so... So I knew by the age 13 who I was going to be marrying. So we, um, and you, you didn't date. You were always around everyone. Everything you did was in a group. We got in trouble often. My parents were very rebellious for a group. We did really crazy things like going to Disneyland, and we watched a couple movies. I mean, we did some pretty crazy stuff. So me and my sister definitely ran with the whole rebellious thing. We wore slits in our skirts a couple times at high school. I mean, so my dad got in lots of trouble from us. Um, and now I'm very proud of that. I'm like, yep. Um, so, which it was their fault because they were like cool. And we were always, you know, on the outskirts of the, of the special group that we were part of. Um, and, you know, and to be fair, this was a Bible-based religious group. And I think back in the day, it started out as a very wholesome, you know, non-denominational type of group that people wanted to meet, and then it just turned into what we left. Um, 
and there's always good in every group, right? So there are good things that I can take from my past that I feel like still benefit me today. Um, and obviously I can laugh about it now because otherwise you would just be in bed crying all the time. Um, so there's always good. We can, I feel like that I can still look back and draw. And again, a big part of that is just having a normal family life um, inside of this, this interesting group. So I got married. Um, I was engaged in high school. Um, so that was fun. Like all my friends didn't even know that my future husband boyfriend from the age I was 13 even existed because we didn't go to any extracurricular activities. It was church. Well, not church, meetings. We went to our group events and that was it. So you didn't have really school friends even though you went to school. So all my people, my friends at school, be like, I don't think he exists. I mean, you've been saying that you're like gonna marry this dude and for for six years now and we've never even seen him. So I think I was in, oh, it was my graduation, graduation from high school where most of my school friends were like, oh, he exists. But I got engaged when I was in high school, so I remember I brought my engagement ring and I'm like, see, he, like, I have a ring, I'm getting married and they're like, oh my gosh. So, um, so that was cool. So yeah, I was engaged in high school. We got married the year after high school. Um, so I was 19 when I got married. And then um, we started life together. And we were not prepared to start life together because our group basically did not communicate about anything. Um, and so you basically went from living with your parents to moving in with this dude and figuring life out together. Um, and even though we knew each other for so long, you really didn't get to know each other because you're constantly in a group of people. You never were alone. You didn't go, you didn't go on dates. You're never, ever alone. So we, um, then we got married. So then life started, and um, I think you go to the next slide now. Um, we got married at 19. He was 20 when we got married. So there's us. We're just like babies, basically. Um, like, I die when I see that. So we got married and then started life, and then we did, um, okay, you can go to the next slide too. We started um, deciding we wanted to have kids. So I was like 25, which even that was like, we waited kind of long to have kids for our group because most people just got married and had kids. Um, and I actually got a job, and these are a couple of fun side stories about that. What time did I start, sorry? Okay, uh, I, I will just talk and talk and talk. Um, so you guys just start like waving flags or something. Um, but just just to get an idea of how fun our life was, and this is me as a married woman, adult. I um, I love animals. I've always loved animals. We grew up on property. I was the only one in our family that even cared or wanted animals, and I'm obsessed with them still. But. I wanted to go work at a vet hospital. I'm like, I really want to do that. And uh, most of the women in our group did not have jobs. It wasn't, I mean, some did, like my mom probably, because they had to. I mean, it was not a, you just didn't naturally like, I'm going to get a job. You just got married and had kids. So I wanted to get a job and I wanted to be with animals. And I had done um, in high school a nursing, like a medical assistant program. Really wanted to be a nurse, but instead of going to college, I got married, of course. Um, but I, so I like the medical field a lot too. So anyway, did some interviews, got a job at a vet hospital, and am freaking out because I wear skirts. And so I'm like, how? Like this is just as an adult being so scared about 
how do I ask this person who I want to hire me um, if I can wear a skirt to work? Because you, obviously you don't see that very often where you have people, you know, like tackling dogs in skirts. Um, but so I just remember being so nervous, like asking them and they're like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, you can't. And, and they actually had to tell me, you need to think about it because we will hire you if you'll wear scrubs. And so like, I have to talk to my husband and be like, ah, like, are we gonna, Ugh. and like, we're always the type, like we would wear pants to the gym and we didn't really care, but you never would want to get caught because you'd get in big trouble if you got caught. So we had to really like really discuss like are you is it worth you going and working if you get caught in scrubs and I ended up making the choice and I went ahead and worked but I can remember like when I would have to walk dogs outside for anything I would like constantly be looking around like oh my gosh if someone drives by right now that knows me and sees me um I'm gonna be in trouble so that was interesting. So that's like how we lived our life, though, even from kids. And um, so that was, that was just a fun little side note. And let's do another side note with the pant thing, because obviously I'm over that. Um, we, when I was also an adult, I was probably like 20, 20, I was probably like 21. I got the opportunity with the lady. I was into the animal thing. So I was doing dog training, working at the vet, and I got connected with this lady who had a um, dog show, like, performing dog show and she was going to go on well she did go on America's Got Talent like this is probably when it, that show very first started and she um asked interviewed me and asked me to be a part of the show because I had experience blah 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 so we met we connected and I'm like okay I have to ask her like can I wear a skirt on the show and so I'm like telling her I'm like okay I'm totally want to do this like this is right up my alley but do you think we can make this work with me in a skirt or like culottes? If you don't know what culottes are, look it up. It's a lot of fun. Um, so it, it's basically like two skirts, but your each leg gets one. <laughs> so it's like double the fun. Um, so that was culottes. So I was like explaining to her what culottes were. And I'm like, I, you know, I could wear culottes and like, because, you know, you have dogs, like, running through your legs and, like, da-da. And she's, like, trying to picture how that would work with culottes. And she's, like, I don't think that would work because, like, if a dog, like, gets stuck in the fabric or is afraid of the billows of, you know, extra excess. So I didn't get to do that. And she was on TV. Like, she did the show. She didn't win. But I'm, like, ah. So that was frustrating. Um, anyway, moving on. We decided to have kids. Um, in the old ripe age of 25-ish. And we, within six months, and of course we were both young and healthy, within six months, it, no pregnancy. And I'm like, wow, this isn't how it happens. You just, uh, and you get pregnant. Well, it didn't work that way, so I go to my doctor. Ah, oh, it's been six months, I'm not pregnant. She's like, okay, let's wait six more months, um, and then we'll go from there. So we went six more months, nothing happened. So she referred us to an infertility doctor. And the whole time I'm thinking like, it's fine. It's just taken a while. Like, I'm so healthy. We're young. Like, we can eat gym boys every single day, and it does nothing to my body. And um, so we were in a good place, you know? And uh, so we went to the fertility doctor. They run all the initial tests, get everything going to see if there's, you know, problems with us individually. And, um, and there were a couple of things, but nothing crazy out of the ordinary to not start treatment. So we started treatment. 
we did um, three rounds of IUI, and none of those worked. So we're like, like that's the cheaper way to like start out and hope and pray, and that didn't work. So then after that, we did egg retrieval and three rounds of IVF, which is obviously it's a lot more intensive, it's a lot more expensive. Um, at the time, we had just completed a building a spec house with my husband's parents. So we had a nice chunk of money from that. Otherwise, we never would have been able to do this. Um, but we spent $50,000. Every cent we made, we spent on infertility. And I was determined to be pregnant because I always wanted to be pregnant. I'm like, oh, it's like adorable. Um, and it's all fun. It just looks amazing. So I was very sad. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, it's it should happen. So. I kept trying until we ran out of money, basically. My husband was ready to give it up a little earlier because if you've been through infertility or any like hormone, ah, I was a crazy person. I had to quit work because I literally went insane. And during this time, we are still a part of this high control religious group that we were part of. Um, I felt very, very alone during this time because again, the group we were part of, every relationship you had was completely superficial. So you didn't have people you could go to and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, I'm having issues. We couldn't get outside counsel or therapy. It was very like, that person who's talking on Sunday morning, if you need help, that's who you're gonna be talking to and you didn't want to. So you, it was a very alone time, to, time besides my family. It was a very alone, scary feeling. I had never known anyone that had had infertility issues. And again, our pool was pretty small as far as like knowing other people in the world that had experienced other things. So it was a very hard, hard, hard time. I seriously was depressed. I, I, I needed a lot more help than I got. And um, so it was a really hard time. During that time I had to quit work because I was like a psychopath. And, um, but I really, really, really miss the animals. So I found a, a local um, animal rescue group, rescue group that I volunteered for and got really involved with that and that kind of helped alleviate some of my crazy. Um, and, I, and I loved that. So we went through that. My husband was ready to give, obviously, up the infertility road sooner than I was because. And then when I was finally ready, we're like, okay, what's next? I never in my mind even really thought adoption because I just knew fertility, like we would end up being pregnant. That didn't happen, obviously. So we, um, I'm like, this is like when internet wasn't like it is today, but I'm like, let's dial in and see if we can find out something about adoption because here's another subject I know nothing about. Um, we knew one person that had adopted, my husband's aunt and uncle had adopted. They lived in Southern California and they were quite a bit older than us. Um, other than that, I knew no one that adopted, knew nothing about adoption. So we started researching and I was young and you know we just didn't know what we were doing. But we got um, connected with Bethany, which was a Christian group um, or agency that would connect you with a birth mom. And that's how you would get your baby basically. A birth mom would pick you, it's a long process, but that's basically what you do. We're like, yeah, that feels good. Let's go that route. That's what his aunt and uncle had done. So I'm like, okay, we don't have nothing else. Let's go that direction. So we did. Um, and we, it's a long, long process. We finally then got matched with a birth mom. So once you get matched with a birth mom, you meet her and start that whole process. 
So we went down to Berkeley, we met her, um, we connected well, and decided it was a good match. So we moved forward with our relationship with her, and, um, and it had, a, I don't know, it was a couple of months, and we were, it was the day before a doctor's appointment in San Francisco that we were going to go to with her, and we, um, our social worker called, and she's like, hey, just a heads up. She's like, we are having to drop this gal as a client because we can't deal with her, basically. And at that point, it's up to us. We could, you know, we could go with her without the agency's help and continue our relationship with her. But the reason we went through an agency is for their protection. And so we're like, if you're making this choice to drop her, we're going to drop her as well. We can't, like, we don't want to deal with it. So that was like devastating because we are already like so excited. It was baby girl. She was going to be born on December 10th and you know, mom's making quilts and we're like into this, like baby girls coming our way. Um, so it was extremely difficult to make that choice to be like, ah, you finally get so excited about something. And then it's like, and no. So, but we had to say no. And then the next day the social worker calls again and she obviously didn't know we don't, weren't allowed to watch TV, but she said, we, um, if you watch TV, I don't know if you watch any Bay Area news, but Birth Mom is on the news all over the place, so just FYI, you might see her on the news, because she was a scam artist, and she was scamming couples out of their money and all their things um, throughout her pregnancies. So that was devastating. And then, of course, my mind goes to she's in prison now, baby girl is going to end up in the system, and, of course, we never never knew what happened, but I'm sure that's what happened. So that was devastating because it was like, and you know, that it was awful. So that was like a November, beginning of November that that happened and she was supposed to be due December 10th. Um, so we go to Thanksgiving down at um, some families. We're on our way back from Thanksgiving. So it would have been like the first of December ish, beginning of December. Um, and my friend called me who I volunteered with at the animal rescue. She owned and or founded the animal rescue. So she's the gal I'd been working with. I had had a relationship with her for years through all my infertility and all my things. Um, she's my mom's age. And we just really connected, became really good friends. So she calls me. We're on our way back from Thanksgiving, um, being out of town. And she's like, oh, my gosh, crying, bawling her eyes out. And she's like, will you adopt my grandson? And I'm just like, what are you talking about? And I knew her son, and she had told me, you know, his girlfriend's pregnant, and I had seen pictures of the baby. Like, I knew about this, because we were friends. Like, we talked about everything. But she calls me, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? What are you, what's going on? And basically, her grandson was born, and his parents just couldn't care for him, and so grandma has him. And she's like, I, I did not sign up to raise my grandchild. I'm not doing this. I'm not. And so she's like, will you please take him? So, um, so we call the social worker, and it's like, what do we do? What's going on? This is not how we expected you know, any of this to happen. So social worker gets us all lined up. We figure out what to do. And we, um, uh, let's see, that was like the first week of December. On, on December 10th, birth parents drop this kid off on our doorstep, basically. Um, so in leading up to it, like the couple days before my mom and my, this is when we had little cute little flip phones. My mom and my sister were like texting in those like weird green letters or whatever, like thinking of you, praying for you, like on the eighth and the ninth. And I'm just like, and we didn't tell anyone about the situation with 
with uh, the new baby because I'm like, I'm not telling anyone anything until there's a baby in my lap. And so they're texting me like, we're praying for you. And I'm like, did they find out somehow? Who told them? And I'm just like, I am so confused with why they're praying for me. I'm like, why? I'm fine. And I'm getting a baby. And then I realized, oh, it's almost baby girl's due date. Well, we get him on baby girl's due date. So that is like a total God thing that I look back on and I'm just like, oh, wow. Um, so anyhow, we get him. We, we don't even get him out of the car seat. We put him in the car. We drive down to my parents' house. I called my sisters and I'm like, go to mom and dad's. And I, we were at the doorstep and I, op- we, I knocked. My dad answered the door and I'm like, is mom here? I have her grandson. And it was just like, oh my gosh. So it was really fun to be able to do it that way. And, um... And then we had a wild ride after that. It wasn't all fun and games. It was, it was a lot of drama, a lot of, a lot. And so it was a very challenging time until finalization. So we finalized his adoption nine months later, and then we could breathe. And we're like, okay, he's ours. Um, but that nine months was really, really hard and really, really rocky. But we survived. So... And that, to do that, because that was a private adoption, we had to get a loan for that because it's not free. So we did that. We had other things happen in life. But then we finally, when he was about four, when our son was four, his name's Dakota, we finally, oh, actually, you can go to the next slide, sorry. Um, I just keep, I can't can't slow down. Um, Okay, so there's, oh, so this, this, sorry. Look at my dog, how cute she is. That is my baby. That is my baby. And I want to tell you right now, now that I have three children, she is the most well-behaved one that I have ever had. (laughs) Ever. And I also want you to notice that skirt. It's peeking right above the knee. That's a danger zone. Danger zone! Um, And the funny thing is, the real version of this picture, you can actually see my slip coming out a little bit because you want to be extra modest and put a slip under all things. Um, so anyway, this was kind of like our cool picture of like, please have us adopt your child. Don't we look super trustworthy? Um, and so anyway, you can go to the next slide. So the next slide is my son. So that is, yeah, we got him when he was a month old. And that is, um, me at the Grange Hall that we still attended at the time, um, with my baby sitting in the metal chairs in the background because that's how cool our meeting hall was. Um, but isn't he adorable? I know. He's so freaking cute. Um, so then when he was like four, we decided, hey, let's adopt again. And we started the process again. But this time we decided we don't have money anymore because we used that all up. And um, let's do the foster care system. Let's do that route this time. And because his situation was so awful, I'm like, we went through the agency for all this protection and to make it be an easy adoption. And it was not, and it cost lots of money. So I'm like, forget that, like, forget that. So we didn't. Um, So we went through the foster care system. Again, we got all, all the process. It's all separate. So we got to do it all over again. And then, um, I really wanted one more kid. I'm like, one more, I want a girl. I want one more girl. We have a girl and a boy. We're done. Um, and in my mind, you know, when you're young and you picture how your life is going to be, 
it would <laughs> nothing turns out right. Like didn't get pregnant, had crazy adoptions. Um, so I don't know why I thought I should try to keep planning because you know God has other plans. So um, so I wanted one girl. And then the more we got into the foster care system and we did some like um, intermittent care for like some that needed respite care for the weekends and we started kind of dipping our toes into that and we realized how huge the need is um, for these kiddos and especially for sibling sets. So I'm like, oh, do we open ourselves up? So we did. So we started in with the foster care system, at least how it was when we were doing it. Um, if you wanted to be chosen, you basically, same thing, put your profile in. They go through all the profiles, match them to the kids, find the best match, interview people, try to figure it out so that these kids aren't moved around as much as possible. Um, so we had applied for many sibling sets, and it just never worked out where it was right. We did have one group of girls in our house. Um, there was an 18-month-old girl and they called us and said, we're not, sh they literally had no clue about the entire situation. Um, and they said, we think there's a sibling in the hospital, but we're real sure, unsure about details. But she had been pulled into emergency care. So we took her in, not really knowing anything about the sister or anything. Um, and then a couple days later, they called and said, oh, yeah, there is this, you know, teeny tiny baby at the hospital. As soon as she reaches four pounds, she's going home with you. So we're, at, oh, okay, cool. So my husband and I started, mom would come and watch the little, well, baby, but 18-month-old sister, and my husband and I would go down to the hospital, learn how to feed, and take care of this little teeny tiny baby. Um, and then we, and of course, it was it was fun. Like, the nurses loved us, and they would, like, send tons of stuff home with us every day. They're like, you won't ever have to buy diapers. Um, so they treated us really well. But then we brought baby girl home with us, and um, and she was just this teeny tiny tiny thing. And if you can imagine, for those of you that have multiple kids, we had a six-ish-year-old son who is a challenge in himself. Then we had brought an 18-month-old home for about a week and then throw a new baby into the mix. And so this 18-month-old, I mean, it doesn't matter that they're sisters. She's like, cool, something I can throw things at. Um, so we got to go through, not only were we fostering these girls, which is a whole stress in itself, but you're going through like, ah, please don't kill that baby. Um, and she was just so precious and tiny. So anyway, we fell in love with them, of course, and, um, and then they went back. So we, we, yeah, so we missed, they, it was, a, it was, it was, it was really, really, really hard. And I wasn't expecting it to be so hard with the baby. I, I cannot believe how much I connected with that baby. And I think just because they're so dependent on you that, you know, it's, you can't help but form that connection. Um, so anyway, they were, they were taken out of our home in May, June, June, May or June. And then in July, we got a call for our girls, um, on July 4th weekend, we got a call and they said, hey, this isn't, you put your name in. If you just say yes, they're yours because they cannot have these girls, anyway. So we're like, ah, like we don't see pictures of them. We knew nothing. We knew one of them had a little bit of medical history, but we didn't even know a whole lot. And so we're like, uh, yeah, sure. So we said yes. Um, so on the 7th, we went and met them um, for the first time and that was crazy, um, crazy. 
like there's two little kids in this room, like whirlwind, and you're like, oh, what did we say yes to? Like, I, we have to take that home with us? Um, it was insane. Like, our middle child, if you ever know her or meet her, you will know what I mean. Um, and she was two at the time, so it was just like, ah. Uh, so we went and met them on the 7th and then came home and went and picked them up on the 11th. So it was the craziest thing going down on the 11th with our son. And at the time we had like a small SUV with not a third seat. So we have our son in the middle and then two car seats. The girls were 14 months and two and a half years old. And so I, oh wait, next picture. I think there's a picture on, um, or the next slide. Yeah, that, it's hard to see maybe, but that picture in the bottom right corner is our first picture. You can't see the girls' faces, but that's my son. And that was our ride home from picking them up. And it was just the most, like, it's just the weirdest thing to be like, and now we have three kids. Um, so we brought them home, and that picture, that other little picture is probably like the week after we got them, Nicole did pictures, yeah. So we did, um, so that's basically what they were like after I cleaned them up a bit. Um, they were just that adorable. And then the other pictures are court dates, so about six months later we finalized their adoption, and, um, and of course I am still recovering from having three children now. Um, and I will say going from one child for seven years to three is a party. Uh, so it's been, it's been, it's been a journey for sure. It's definitely been a journey. Um, and I do love, um, that I have so many things I can look back on. You can go to the next slide, I think. Um, as you know, as challenging as our journey has been, I feel like we've kind of like dipped our toes. So this is kind of us now. Um, dipped our toes into like many different trials in our life. Um, and I do remember one of the, uh, something I'll never forget is when we got out, so we left our cult in, um, when I was 31. So 10 years ago. Well, no, I was 30. So like 11 years ago, gosh. Um, about 11 years ago. So I was an adult. We had our son at the time. And one of the big pushes for us, I mean, there was a lot of people, a lot of things that happened that a lot of people left at the same time. Um, but one of the factors for me that really shifted me, I think we were always kind of on our way out, but our family, <laughs> but what really pushed me was having a child. Once I had our, my son, I was like, I can't raise him lying to him. I can't raise him how we were raised as much as uh, amazing job as our parents did. I can't stand behind something that I don't believe in. And I don't believe in so much of what this group is promoting and doing. Um, I, how do you, how do you explain these things to your kids? Cause it was, ne it could never be explained to us things that we were taught to believe. Um, so that was a big push to get us out. And then once we were out completely, we were never allowed as women when we were in to do like Bible studies or amazing groups like this. That was not allowed because women couldn't do anything because we're idiots. Um, but once we got out, the first Bible study I did was in mom's master bedroom. I was, um, I got, I think there was five of my friends. We got together. We met in mom's bedroom while she babysat all of our kids out in the rest of the house. Um, so we could do our very first Bible study and it was the weirdest thing and it felt so wrong. It was like, ah, 
we're studying the Bible. Um, so that was amazing. But the first study that we did, and I don't even know how or why we picked it, but um, it was on Esther, and it was Beth Moore's study on Esther. And, oh, my gosh, the parallels and the things that connected for our all the girls in our group that were doing it, but in my life specifically, um, it were so amazing with how Esther had to face her fear. She had to have courage. And, um, and then too, looking, it, it really pushed you to look back and see where God had had a hand on your life throughout your life. And so it was a great opportunity. And this was, you know, 11, 12 years ago. It was a great opportunity to take a chance to look back and say, okay, we had a weird upbringing. We had a pretty like stressful, crazy life. But gosh, you can sure see God's hands on so, I, I mean all, but so many specific spots in our life that he came through and showed, this is the plan I have for you. Um, so it's really neat now to have our kids um, really involved with church and in their youth groups and just it's such a different experience than what we experienced growing up. Um, and like one of my kids, the youngest there, every day, she doesn't want to get dressed. I should have done a, just a slideshow of her outfits. Um, but, like, I don't fight with her anymore. I used to, like, want him to be cute. And, and she's, I'm like, what, wear whatever you want. Like, and she does. Rain boots and jogger shorts, I think, were today. So she does. But I'm like, I cannot imagine being my mom and having to put you in a skirt every morning. Like, if I had to do that with that child... I would not be here today. We would still be talking about it. Um, so I every day I have moments of thankfulness where just even now I'm able to raise my children now in the freedom and the freedom in Christ. You know, we were, we were raised that, hey, this is what you believe. This is the Bible. Here's what you believe. Now in my life, I'm like, I have so little knowledge of the Bible, so little knowledge of the Bible because we were just told what to believe. And so we never learned the word for ourselves. I mean, and there were some that maybe did. I didn't. Um, I was drawing, you know, pictures in my notebook. Um, but it was very... So as an adult, it's been very interesting taking the time. And I've really, in the last about two years, um, which COVID's part of it, because it gave us opportunity to, you know, have to be at home and do something. Um, but really to dig in and learn how my past has affected me and how it is still with me. And I think so many people from our group have not gotten the help they need, because when you come from a group like that, there is a lot of, like, you know, people call it deprogramming. Um, but that has to be done you you know you th and when we first left it was just like yay we're free and ooh, I'm gonna wear a little tighter culottes today and then you like ooh, look at these loose pants I have on and then I'm like leggings um so you know it was like a pr it was a process to get out um but you you think we're fine you know like we're out we get to do what we want now but there's a whole sorry there's a whole um healing process that comes along with that. There's so much unlearning to do and relearning. And like I said, I realized I have no knowledge of the Bible. Like I couldn't, it was just like, wow, we know nothing basically. Um, or I didn't. So anyway, it's been a really neat process to just have a true relationship with God and understand like there's not a middleman. 
I can have this direct line to God. I don't need this person telling me what God, you know, is saying and wants me to do and um, is requiring of me. It's a direct line. So I think that's been an amazing experience that for my husband and I that we've experienced, um, especially, like I said, over the last couple of years, realizing, okay, some of this stuff is still stuck with us and is still affecting us and we need to take care of it. So it's been a really good process. I'm very thankful. Next slide. I'm not sure where I'm at here, but um, I think I'm done. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's me and my sister. So people always ask, um, like, if I was always kind of goofy. So we're in our, my mom's jazzercise outfits there, which no one knew she had. Um, <laughs> those were hidden in the back of the closet. Uh, and then there's me on the other side there moving forward. Um, but next slide too, please. But people always ask, like, if we were always goofy and funny. So there's my dear mother at the top right. Um, and then the next one and the bottom one. So you can see I get some things from my mom. Um, and we did have some fun times in our cult. Um, we were the fun time. So if anyone said we had fun, it was because of us. Uh, but, but we, if anything fun happened, it was because of us. So for real. Uh, so that's where I got it from is my mom. And so she kind of shared her humor with me. Um, and again, I didn't really like express myself that way until I was an adult. As a child, I'm like, please don't look at me. Um, and even in high school, like I would have died public speaking in high school. I would, I mean, we had to, I probably almost did die on those days. Um, but it was awful, awful, awful. So anyway, but she shared that with me, and so here I am today. Um, and through all of the things in my life, um, as well as having God having his hand on all these different places, I also realized how much I lean on humor. And I call it my humor therapy. Um, because I do rely on humor. I, I use it. I mean, if you guys do follow me on Instagram, you know, like, I am super sarcastic. And um, sometimes to a fault, but we're not going to talk about that. So I, but I, I love it. I just, I feel like it is a gift, as weird as that is to say, but um, that I am learning to share because I never did. And I'm like, oh, suddenly I have this platform. I should probably be funny. So um, it's been really good, but it's been great for me. Like I always tell my friends, on the days I post really funny videos, you need to check in with me because that means I'm having a real bad day and I needed extra therapy. So you need to check in with me on those days. So we, um, so anyway, humor's been a huge part of just helping me get through weird, and it doesn't like cure everything, but it definitely helps. And I've had to learn, or we always kind of laughed about our life, but um, you know, we had, would get in trouble. Would we would do skits for making, for not making fun, but for like doing skits about real life because it was, you know, we were in trouble because we were making fun of it. And now I realize in life, like that's what humor is. We are making fun of our life because, like, you have to laugh about it or you'll cry about it. Um, and it's sad to just be sad. Like I would rather laugh about stuff. And it's not that it doesn't make trial mean the trials are easy or not hard. And believe me, when I was going through infertility, don't tell me to be happy. Like that was not a funny time in my life. But looking back, I can be like, I survived that. And I feel like God did place certain trials in my life to prepare me for the next ones. And like the infertility one, I'm like, if I didn't like 
if I didn't get through that, I probably couldn't have handled the number one adoption situation that we had going on with our son. So I think, okay, that made me that much stronger. Let's handle the next thing. So kind of, you know, God, God knows what he's doing more than we do, which, you know, if I would just learn that and quit planning things, that might be useful. Um, but basically, that's my life. So we got out. We're good now. We have a good relationship with our family um, and are kind of moving forward with our life as and learning as adults. Like, it feels like we got married again, basically, because we were kids when we got married anyway and then just lived under being told what to do, basically. And you couldn't even really be an adult, even as an adult, because you just were told what. Even once we got married, we would be told what to do. Um, so that felt real independent. Um, so anyway, I think that's it. I mean, okay, do we have any questions or anything? Is there another slide or is it the videos? Or you can't tell? Some lunch for my kids. Oh yeah, it's just the videos. Okay, so does anyone, do you want to do questions? Or should we just do this? Yes. Hi. Hi, Dewey. So did your husband stay home and how did that go? Great question. No. Um, so but he has three brothers. So his brothers all left. Um, his parents are still involved. Um, and it, it was a hot minute before they, like, would accept us because, like, I wore pants and I cut my hair and all the bad things. So they still technically are a part of it. Um, but they like will hang out with us now. And basically it came down to that. It's like, well, you can either know your grandkids or not. We're not, we're not changing. We're not going back. So it was a, tra I mean, it was like a years long transition to where we are now. And I mean, like they were just here a couple months ago visiting. And so, yeah, so now they'll see us. They're out of state. So that makes it a little bit easier, but, um, but yeah, so they're still in, but his brothers are all out and we're really close with a couple of his brothers. Yeah. Good question. Yes. Did the women all cover their heads in the train? No, we did not cover our heads. Oh, and actually, go ahead. Our hair was our covering. Our hair was our covering, and it was holy. And you know, on that note, because I posted that video that you saw at the beginning on my Instagram account. And I have gotten so many people that reach out to me that's like, what's your group called? What was it called? What was your cult called? Um, because there are so many groups that are so similar. Our group did not have a name because we believed, we believed that um, you couldn't take a name because then you would be taking God's name in vain. So like churches like this were a no, no, because it was not okay. We were right and you were wrong. Um, so, but we didn't have a name. So that is, I get that question all the time and I'm like, oh, this is so hard because I answer the same question over and over, but we didn't have a name. And so it was kind of special, but it's crazy how many people have reached out to me and just said, and that's why I keep talking about it is, um, I keep getting these people reaching out and they're like, oh, it feels so good to not be alone. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe like with all the resources we have now that people still feel alone, that makes me really sad. So I'm like, well, message me. And I message everyone back so far. It's been hard, but I, I do. Just because I feel like it's important. And it's been on adoption subjects and fertility subjects and the cult subject on all of them. I get a lot of messages. Um, but it's crazy, crazy how many groups like this there are out there. I'm just blown away by it. It's so sad. But as long as they're happy. Yes. 
I was already a lot sooner than him. Um, I my fam my parents left before we did, and his parents stayed. My my husband's parents stayed, so it was like this. I hated going. I was to the like attitude every time we go. I was done. Um, I, and I, he stuck it out a little longer. I think he even was going by himself. I don't even think I was going with him. Um, just hoping, I think, because we were there was a lot of conflict and a lot of stuff going on, and so I think people were like holding on to that hope, like, ah, oh, maybe we'll make some changes. Um, but I was ready before him for sure. But we, I mean, technically, like left, left, we left together. But I was ready long ago. Yes. Great question, Tiffany. Um, I so it was it was very interesting. What happened is it was kind of like a mass exodus, because what our group believed in doing was you would mark. We called it marking, but you would excommunicate people. So if people were, you know, basically questioning anything, it's like, oh, you you're you get out of here. Um, so that was always held over our head. Is like, be good, don't ask questions, listen to us, or you're going to get excommunicated and you're never going to see your family again. So that was, I feel like, the biggest threat that was always held over our heads was this can happen to you. Look at your family that was excommunicated. You haven't seen them in 30 years. My dad's um, best friend and sister were excommunicated when I was, how old was I, seven maybe? And I have memories of that because I was super close with um, one of my cousins. And it was always so confusing, like, why can't I see him anymore? Like, this is so weird. Like, we grew up together till seven, and then all of a sudden, they're out of our lives. So that happened to my dad's family and a lot of other families where portions of their family were excommunicated. So it was always held over your head, like, this can happen to you too, so you better... So, so when, sorry, so to answer that, so when we left, what happened is there were so many questioning and not backing down that it kind of took the marking out of the question. We're like, cool, mark us, we don't care. So enough people just up and left that it didn't matter. And here locally, the one we were a part of is pretty much dissolved. They, we, we scared them all down to um, Southern California and Texas. So they went to different assemblies because we're like, yeah, this is the cool place now, you might wanna leave. Um, Cause there's no one, there's no one left here. So, um, so yeah, so it wasn't like a, it was basically like, bye, see ya, yeah. Anyone else? Okay. Oh yes. Yes, my in-laws are still in it. Um, so we talked to them. Most of the people I would consider friends left as well. So that's and, and it's been very interesting because we've all like transitioned and changed and grown on different timelines. So like we were kind of, I would say the first out of the gate that was like, you know, the tighter culottes and the pants, like we kind of, and then I have a friend in Texas who took a very long time. And so I would be, and you would respect it. Like you can still wear skirts, that's fine, but we can be friends. So there were definitely people that, that took a lot longer, but yeah. And now I would say I have a couple of pretty good relationships, but again, when we, how we grew up, it was so superficial. So you didn't really have deep relationships with people. So I have, I would say I have two, two friends that I would say I'm pretty connected to now from there. Most of my friends are new since the last 10 years. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes. 
Yes. Rough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still. It's been a journey. It still is a journey. Um, we I pretty quickly jumped into therapy. It took my husband a lot longer. And that was actually the first time that I would consider our group a cult. Because I was in therapy. My therapist was like, so a cult? And I'm like, no, it was, it was like a church group, but we couldn't call it church. And, you know, you try to explain the situation. And she's like, no, that's, that's a cult. And I'm like, okay. And so I tell my husband, and he's like, no. And I'm like, I know, isn't that weird? And, um, and so it was definitely a process. And then he started doing therapy and separately first. And his therapist is like, so you're saying you grew up in a cult. And he comes home, he's like, my therapist says it's a cult too. And I'm like, oh, it must be a cult then. Um, and then, of course, you start looking stuff up, and it's like, yes, it was a cult. Um, so, but it's been a journey, and it's still going. It is definitely, like, I, I keep just praying. I'm like, if my kids get a boyfriend or girlfriend young, I am going to be like, we're moving to Florida. Which, I mean, we might anyway, you know, let's be real. But I, I, yeah, I'm like, you may not get married at 19. I'm just putting that out there right there. 30 is looking better and better. Um, so, yeah, it was rough. It was very rough. And we weren't prepared at all. The way that, I, we weren't, pre I mean, I would like to say the way they prepared us, but they did not prepare us. We were not ready to be married. Um, so, yeah, yes. So my grandparents on my dad's side were in the church and they were like the first generation that really started the group. And again, it started out as like, we're meeting in homes. And from what I understand, and I've done some research, it started out as a genuinely like good group of people. And then it went downhill pretty fast. Um, but yeah, so my grandparents on my dad's side were in the group and then mom married into it because she's lucky ducky. Yes. Oh, true. You were born when you were there already? Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, very, very dysfunctional family back there. But my, so, yeah, so my grandparents' generation. Yeah. Today I'm adding some rice and I covered pork and panko and I fried it up. I'm slicing it and then adding it to the bento box. I'm going to add some katsu sauce on top. Katsu sauce is kind of like barbecue sauce but sweeter and has a little bit of a pineapple flavor. I added some edamame and now I'm cutting the cucumbers into flower shapes. I'm making the lunch theme green since it's St. Patrick's Day so I'm using whatever I had on hand that's green. I'm gonna be making some guacamole. I added avocado, garlic, tomatoes, onions, cilantro, and a little bit of lime. And then I'm going to blend it up, add a little bit of garlic, salt, and pepper. I'm going to add the guacamole in and add some tortillas that I fried up for chips. And for the note, I'm writing Happy St. Patrick's Day. 
I'm so glad to be spending more time with you. I love you. I hope everyone is staying safe. Bye. If I can be real honest, I am getting sick and tired of watching my mom's grandchildren every day. It's getting real annoying. Jeez. No, I, I appreciate the break. I really do. Honestly, this is the, this is the most quiet I've, I've had in, in months. And I, I don't get to talk to adults much. Honestly, I would really love to just go anywhere. I'm completely used to people not listening to a single word I say that what about a white claw I would I, I could use that right now I feel like, ew don't pick your nose use a tissue use a tissue you know what's nice it's nice not to have to drive for once I feel like all I do is drive people around everywhere I don't mean to be nosy but you really shouldn't chew on your nails like that bad you think I'm talking a lot I just have not had adult conversations the kids talk no matter what like truly they do not shut up Wait, wait, why, why are, why are we back here? Why are you taking me back home? We haven't even gone to Starbucks. Okay. One sec. Let me pull this up. Uh, sorry. Um, one There's only one thing to do, three words for you, I love you. Be his favor, be upon you, and a thousand generations. And the next song is called, um, All the Things I Love About My Wife. sleeping on my husband's side of the bed because apparently you don't hear the kids from that side keep you posted thank you Shannon <clears throat>